1: Hey,
0: welcome to the show. So happy you're tuning in to Dose of Leadership, special Equity Bank-sponsored episode. Hope you're enjoying the show. Let me know what you think about it. Go to doseofleadership.com. You can fill out the comment box there. Let me know what you think about the show. Send me an email at richardatdoseofleadership.com. I love hearing from my fans. I answer every email. I always love to hear how you're doing in your leadership journey, and I always freely give my advice, and if I can help in any way, I'd more than gladly do that because I know the journey cannot be done alone, and that's why I do this show. Proud to have Equity Bank sponsor this episode, and I'm excited to have on my show today my personal friend, Dan Schertz. Dan and I have known each other about five years. I met him five years ago when I did some leadership training at his place that he used to work, and from there we established a friendship. And I always enjoy our conversations. We have some really meaningful, deep, and I think some stimulating conversations that I, that I know have helped me personally, professionally, about life and leadership, and particularly about the topic of culture, and that's what we talk about in this episode. I really think Dan, is he really gets it when it comes to culture and what it means to have an intentional, purposeful, and significant culture and and the importance of it. His entire career, Dan has been driven by this, by this passion to help others accomplish their goals, exceed their own expectations. He's one of the good ones. He's got over 20 years' experience contributing to and leading organizations in retail, real estate, marketing, advertising, senior living. He's done a lot. And he has seen the power that culture has on the success or failure of individuals, teams, and entire organizations. It's his desire to help organizations unlock their full potential by helping them unlock the full potential of their people because that's what it's all about. And Dan believes that each of us was created for this purpose and that our great responsibility is to, to discover that purpose. And he, like me, would believe that you already have the tools inside of you. It's just now you got to do the work to unleash it. And Dan believes in it so much he started a business called The Culture Print. That does just that, helping people and organizations find their purpose, attach that great responsibility, and discover it and achieve their fullest potential. Dan is a husband, a father, married his high school sweetheart. And again, he's just one of the good ones. And I do think he was put on this planet for that reason to help us learn more about culture. And that's what we do in this conversation. This show is brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank. Equity Bank, it's been so much fun to watch them grow into one of the fastest growing banks in the Midwest. I just got done emceeing their annual leadership conference. In got even more of it inside peak, some inside baseball and what they believe and what they stand for. And they are very intentional about their culture, about creating this culture of significance where it's customer focused. And they're listed on the NASDAQ Exchange. They got locations all across Kansas, as well as Oklahoma, Missouri, and Arkansas. And I clearly believe that this team at Equity Bank knows how to lead for growth. They know what it means to run a business. If you feel like your current bank is more of a follower than a leader, seriously, go check out these guys at equitybank.com. They are a bank that really understands your needs. And again, I'm I'm proud to be associated with them on Dose of Leadership. Again, equitybank.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of the show. Let's join our conversation with my good friend, Dan Schertz from The Culture Print here on Dose of Leadership. Well, Dan, so excited to have you on the show. Welcome, my friend.
1: Hey, thanks so much, Richard, Mann, I'm glad to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm excited about this conversation. The listeners don't know, but you and I have had multiple conversations about the topic of leadership, entrepreneurship, culture, and you're one of my favorite guys to talk to it about. So um, hopefully we can knock out another great conversation like we've always had. Hey, right
1: back at you. It's always a good time to catch up and pontificate about all things leadership, culture, and you name it. So it's yeah. going to be a good time.
0: I love it. What so? What does it mean? How did you get passionate about this concept? I mean, culture's your thing. I love it too. How, when did it start resonating with you?
1: Why did it become important for you? Well, you know, for me, it was. It's. It's actually been a real personal uh, journey. Um, my. My experience. I. I have experienced the impact of culture in a profound way. Um, and when I was younger in my career and mer- working through it, I didn't really understand or realize that it was the how much the culture was impacting things. But, um, you know, I saw tremendous success in different levels of my career, my background. I'm, I'm a sales guy by nature, mm-hmm. right? I've done right. a lot of different sales things. and uh, But when I got into sales leadership, I was working for uh, the local NBC affiliate here. And, and I, I got to witness how... Uh, um, uh, culture could create a positive or negative result, and 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 one of the things that I learned was that. You know, we had a window. I don't know if you've ever experienced these. Actually, I know we've talked about a little bit, but have you ever had those moments in your life where you're like, "I remember back when," and it was with that team, it was with that company, it was whatever. It's like, Mm -hmm. man, everything we did was just perfect. I mean, it's like the right people were on the right seat. It didn't matter what we did; everything worked out. And we would long, you long for those days if we could just go back to that. Right. Um. Well, as I went through my journey, I had a few of those moments, and then I had opposite moments. Where I mean, literally, I went from being a whiz kid that was viewed as, from the company's perspective, as a superstar. This I was up and comer. New company came in with a new philosophy, a different culture. I went from whiz kid to dunce in six months. Right, Um, and so, and, and and for me, the personal part of the journey was is the culture impact when I found myself misaligned. It actually had a very severe and real physical impact to me. Yeah. Um, At one point, having a very significant physical ailment that um, was very painful. And then the second time it happened to me, I actually literally almost died. Yeah. I remember you telling me that initial time. So, through that journey of witnessing. You know, when I saw great things happen and when I saw the greatness start to decline and go, wait a minute, what's going on? I got passionate about trying to study behind that. And that's where the culture thing came. I began to research and learn more about culture um, and how this this thing, this intangible thing really influences people. Yeah. And impacts their ability and their potential. Right? Um, and I don't know. I just... Kind of felt like I was called to go down this direction of helping people understand what I call intentional culture, yep, and and how intentional culture actually drives exceptional yeah, results.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you said the word intentional because that was was kind of what I was going to lead off with and and steer the conversation towards. Because, it, you, you know, your story, you know, I remember you telling me that first time that you know here I was, you know, thinking you're having a heart attack or whatever it was, and you ended up in that hospital. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know. And it was all because of that internal, you know, manifestation, manifestations, machinations, whatever was going on inside your head, that got you to this kind of splat moment. Mm-hmm. And I, this is a theme with 400 plus conversations that comes up time and time and time and time again when people start tell their stories and their journey, where they start to become. At some point, something happens in their lives and their journey where. It, I call them splat moments and they vary in degrees of severity. Yours is mm-hmm. pretty se- <laughs> severe, <laughs> yeah. you know, but varying degrees of severity. And it starts pe- and, and, and people either make a choice. They either start to get really reflective, like as you did. I think I did, too, with my splat moment that mm-hmm. I've shared with you, too. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, OK, what am I doing here? It's weird, though, how you can achieve And this is where I think everybody – where the epidemic is, it's like it's weird to me or fascinating to me how people can be extremely successful. You had it. You were the up-and-comer. I've had that too. I was in there and like look at this guy. He is the up-and-comer. He's the next rock star. This is the next it guy. And you start to believe it. And I'm sure ego – I know we've talked about this. But it was – it's always goes back to the superficial side of the ego. And I would – guess that your splat moment while you ended up in a hospital had more to do with your ego than external circumstances would you agree with that assessment
1: yeah because I think what what I discovered and it's really helped me the last uh, three years since that moment um, is I, I I realized that I was allowing my triggers to manage mm-hmm. me right rather than me manage those triggers right and and there was a sense of Especially the second time it went around, I had more awareness of what was going on. I had been studying culture yep. because of the first incident. Yep. And so part of the ego was, I'm right, yeah, and you're wrong. right? <laughs> yeah. And by golly, I'm going to make sure you get – you need to fix it. Yeah. And I'm going to – but at the same time, I was so challenged by um, – it was just such a strange dynamic that I didn't. I wasn't. I wasn't going to give in, but I let this this trigger manage me to the point where I got literally physically ill. Yep. Um, so there is that sense of ego. There was that. I, it was like I was trying to force my round peg into what became a square hole. Yeah. It was a round hole at first, but somebody changed the hole. It, right. But I didn't change. Right. Exactly right, and well, I that, didn't want to have to admit that 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 I was no longer a fit. Right, uh-huh. You know that it gives me
0: chills because it mirrors kind of the same thing that was happening. You know, I kind of it's almost like you had a mini splat. I had a mini splat as well, and I and I when you said, "Yeah, if you could only see it my way," I know I'm right, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. It was still, you know what I mean? I was still doing the same thing, and then came the double splat, yeah. right? And that double splats were, I it's like you intentionally choose to be, okay, let's look at this with a little more humble glasses. Right. Right. From a a more humble lens. Right. An authentic lens. Yeah. Uh, And I think that takes a tremendous amount of courage and strength way more so than putting in the energy and the effort of trying to (laughs) prove that you're right. Right. And you may think that you're hustling and you're doing everything right and you're hard charging and, it's just such a. Well, in,
1: in understanding there's only, you have a limited scope of control. Right. Okay. In the context of both of these environments, um, you know, in one case I had, uh, the the company I worked for was sold and had three owners in 18 months. Okay. Well, when ownership changes, so does culture. Right. Okay. And let me tell you, the new owner will ultimately determine the culture. Yep. Okay, that, that's 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 how that works. Um, in the second scenario, there was a shift or change in position of authority, and in that position of authority changed and had a different perspective on what the right way of doing things was. I can't control that, right? So, um, so understanding what I have control over, and and what I can then impact and influence, I had to. I, well, ultimately, I was slapped in the face and said, you're not going to win this battle, and you need to do something different. Right. And I did. I, I I made a career change, a massive career change. Um, but I did. I, I chose to do something different. I couldn't fight the battle anymore. But what it taught me is is a couple of key things that's influenced the direction I've gone with culture print and some of the things that I'm trying to do in in the things I speak about and the things that I try to help folks with is – is understanding the impact that culture has on people right. and how that influences their potential and ultimately the results or the the, the way that they can perform. Yep. Um, you must have culture fits if you want to maximize the potential for your organization. But so many organizations, really, it's just they don't understand that.
0: Well, yeah, they don't understand it. And and what surprises me is how i would say i don't know what the percentage would be but i it's certainly weighed the, the the amount of organizations that are intentional about creating a certain type of culture is very minimal very minimal and even some of the most successful popular organizations out there um the airlines are a perfect one and it's you know the one i work at you know, they're having a trouble time. What do we even stand for? Mm-hmm. And we spend a lot of time, and the organization spends a lot of time on making sure the acquisition and the merger works and everything else. And then we buy foosball tables and everything else to mm-hmm. thinking that that is what the culture is. And that's mm-hmm. not. It's like, it really gets down to is... How do you get intentional about this is what we stand for mm-hmm. and what are the values that we espouse? Yeah. And now you take it a step further. It's like how now how do we make sure that everybody from the top to the bottom is living yeah. and breathing what we espouse?
1: Yeah. You know, I'm a so so I'm a believer in this concept that I call the culture print um, in, in that the philosophy, or the theory behind it is, is just like every person, every one of us is born with our own unique fingerprint. Right. That identifies who we are. It serves as an identifier. I believe every organization is born with its own unique culture print. Yep. Okay. That identifies who it is. The best organizations in the world are the ones who've been able to identify their print, articulate it, and then develop it and reproduce it. Right. Okay. When you have organizations that are in the state that you've described, you know, which many organizations get into that state, we're kind of feeling a little bit lost at sea. Well, who are we? Well, what do we? I don't. My experience and my study tells me that those are folks that have lost sight of why they were born. Right. Okay. Um, the culture print, like fingerprints, have markers and those sorts of things. The culture print's made of three markers: it's your purse, your purpose, your principles, and your payoff. The purpose is that guiding north that northern light right that north star right Mm -hmm. that that's what that's what i'm 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 focused on and you know there's a lot of folks that have spent a lot of time really helping unpack what that looks like simon sinek has been a great Mm -hmm. example in talking about why and understanding that Um, but but organizations lose sight of their purpose and then if they lose their personality which are the principles the behaviors that make you unique right that say well this is why we're here and this is how we behave that will guide us there. If you lose sight of that or you get distracted by it or you think, oh, well, you know, we're told that today's workforce wants foosball tables and ball pits and free lunch. Well, we're going to do that. But that has nothing to do exactly. with who you are. Exactly. You end up creating a lot of white noise that distracts and, and then you have people feeling like – um, well, when I applied here, when I found the job here, or those sorts of things, you said you were X, but then I got here and you're Y. What happened? Yeah. And when that's happening internally, it ends up happening externally, and then so you you have that internal friction with culture, and it actually creates the dissonance that you have with brand, and so customers get confused with who you are. Right. So I mean, it's it's crazy how it can how, how it touches everything. Yeah, absolutely everything.
0: everything. And if you don't have it, if you're not intentional about it, and you don't have, like you said, those three Ps that you talked about, in the absence of that, you get – that's when you start to see the silo silo walls go up because in the absence of that, well, what what can I rely on? And then you find people relying on policy manuals, mm-hmm. <laughs> processes, mm-hmm. and they're looked at in isolation, and that's where you get comments like, Hey, that's not my job. Right. Or, you know, well, my policy manual says this. I don't care if this person's late. My po- my manager said I have to shut the door at at D minus 10 minutes from pushback. I don't care. Right. Right. And you don't, and you don't right. know what the purpose is. Their purpose is based on a policy. Right. And, and that's what drives me crazy.
1: Well, and and so. And the other thing – and this is where – what I get passionate about and try to talk to groups about is um, intentional culture drives exceptional results. Mm-hmm. Not having intentional culture doesn't mean you don't have culture. Well, you have one whether you like it or not. Exactly. So the challenge then is in those dynamics, what culture is being coming – what a culture is being created organically because we've not been able to identify and articulate our desired mm-hmm. culture. Right. And, um, you know, when you think about that desired piece, um, people will ask me, "Okay, intentional culture sounds great. But but what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Right. I define intentional culture is it's the practice of clearly articulating and consistently demonstrating the desired ambitions, behaviors, results. And feeling of an organization, right? Right. It's this idea that we've been able to identify, articulate, and then we do it. So, in the context of, well, this is what the policy manual, and this is what it says, and this is what I have to do. Well, if I don't have clarity around the spirit of it, right? Why did we create this policy? Why did in the we first do that? Place? What's the intent of the it? The intent behind it, right? Um. Then, then, when you have clear culture, you actually create. Some room and some flexibility and some autonomy and some opportunities for people to express that culture in a way that, I don't know, applies common sense in a particular situation. Right. Right. Because I know what the intent is and I believe in that core value or in those principles. I believe in that purpose. So I'm going to live that through this unique circumstance. That's going to model that. So, you know, like a Southwest Airlines is a, is known for that, right? This amazing culture that, by the way, has passed on from one CEO to the next CEO mm-hmm. because culture is not about a person. It's about an organization and how we were born, right? It, it creates those dynamics that allow for that. It creates a Zappos experience where people say, we're trying to, listen, we're all about wowing our customers. But how do you wow? Well, I don't know how Richard wows somebody and how Dan wows somebody is different. But as long as you're wowing somebody, you fit. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, but you ha- it, it is it's literally it's – you have to practice this clear articulation and consistent demonstration.
0: Hey, we're about halfway through the conversation, but I wanted to take the time to talk about my good friends, the sponsor here of this special series at Equity Bank. Have you ever noticed that most business bankers seem to really understand just one thing? It's banking, right? And not a lot about business. It makes sense since most banks were built generations ago and now they're often run by caretakers, not business builders. Well, it's not the case here at Equity Bank. The bankers at Equity Bank didn't inherit a bank generations ago. They built one of their own. They know that building something takes expertise vision, and hard work. And over the past decade, they've built one of the region's fastest growing banks by working side-by-side with customers, with entrepreneurs, with leaders in communities all throughout Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. Recently, Equity Bank was listed on the NASDAQ Exchange, which gives them even greater capabilities to take on those big deals that growing businesses need to keep on growing. So if you're tired of talking to bankers who've never really ran or owned or built a business, and I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised when you talk to my friends at Equity Bank. Thanks for listening to this show. Let's get back to the conversation, this unique and special series on leadership and entrepreneurship brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank. I don't think it's impossible to over-communicate. I think that is probably the, oh, yeah. the, 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 the biggest challenge and probably the, the number one priority that senior leadership has to adopt and i think that's what the, it's the big it's the biggest missed opportunity i see because uh, let's face it i mean when you look at what what the business media says what we uh, from a pop culture standpoint what we seem to value um the things we're talking about isn't usually embraced because i've getting i've received pushback from organizations when i talk about some of this stuff oh that's too soft this is a cutthroat world it's about shareholder value oh, wow, it's yeah. about these type of metrics yeah. and i'm like yeah okay i don't buy it because the real the, the the organizations and the individuals by the way that embrace because i think we have a a, a warped sense of what a successful organization looks like, and it's usually around the concept of power, right? And power meaning this, like the you know, power I- I equates to uh, increased market share, increased shareholder value, and those type of things. But I can't remember the quote where it was who said this, some publicist, but it says, but it, it's freedom is is a much more powerful game than power. Power is something that you control. Right. Freedom is something you unleash. And to unleash freedom, mm-hmm. it's everything that you've talked about, what you're talking about here, yeah. is like you've got to – you know, the senior leadership has to understand. And they think it's too soft. They think it's too mushy. They think it's a waste of time. And it becomes a waste of time when they just – they bring in a consultant and they spend all day coming up with nice graphics and they post things in 8.5, 11 things in the hallway and it stops there. Yeah.
1: But – Well, it, there's there's – when I think when you boil things down, there's 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 two ways to um, influence or drive behavior. Uh, when you think from an organizational perspective, there's compliance or there's commitment. Yeah. Okay. And 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 what you're talking about this idea of power or authority and things is there there is this mindset the command and control approach is this compliant deal. Yep. We need compliance from our employees now. There is a place and a, there is a place for compliance. Right. Okay. I, and I'm not, this isn't about, well, are you meeting the compliance requirements for, I mean, you know, we're here in Wichita. Aviation compliance is an important thing and of high high awareness right now, right, right. with what's mm-hmm. been going on in the world of Boeing and those sorts of things. Compliance has its place. But in the context of culture and organizational structure, a compliant employee will do just enough to avoid getting in trouble. Right a committed employee will do whatever it takes to win. Right. Okay? And so, when you think about the context of leadership, which you've talked to so many amazing leaders, and and you teach it and you preach it with with everywhere that you can, the the message is around commitment. Yep. We want committed employees that will do whatever it takes. Well, how do we gain that? Committed employees come from folks that, that buy in and have something to commit to. Exactly. Okay. Well, in order for me to commit to something, you know what I need? I need clarity yep. around who we are and why we're here. Yep. And what does success look like and feel like and taste like and sound like? Yep. And when I have that clarity, now I can be committed to something, right? But commitment also allows me to be me, right? That you value who I like am. It demands and that you. That's you. right. So I ha- I have, I am gifted the opportunity. By, with the clarity of expectation to then apply who I am and my DNA and inject that into that expectation, and away we go. Yeah. Right? That's the unleashing freedom
0: path that That's I'm talking That's exactly about, right? right. Because if I create that – that is the secret sauce to a significant organization or a significant life, not just, just – both personally and both professionally, is that if I understand what I'm trying to accomplish and why – Mm-hmm. And then I maniacally communicate it. That's what you're talking about—the articulation piece, that's the right. clarity piece. That's right. Then I can be unleashed.
1: Yep. It's
0: two parts, and I, I, it, I can't emphasize enough where that's where the senior leadership—that's where the focus has to be. Mm-hmm. Like a maniac, yeah. they have to focus on that and communicate it. It's the hard I think it's the hardest job.
1: Well and I love you've used that word maniacal mm-hmm. and maniacally. I mean you know I listen to your podcast all the time and you've and I've seen that theme from you. It's it's this it's it's this intentional commitment, this maniacal approach. I'm gonna maniacally communicate it. I'm gonna maniacally demonstrate In everything it. that you do. And everything it should be it and this is why it's so important from the context of culture. Yep. Culture's not good or bad. Right. That's not culture. Right. Culture is either healthy or dysfunctional. Yeah. Okay? Because good or bad is subjective. Mm -hmm. Okay? An organization that I work for, in my mind, might have a great culture, but you could come and look at that organization and go, that culture sucks. Right. Well, that's because it's just different. Okay? And we have to understand that. So this idea of being maniacal about it and engaging people in this way that's it comes down to authenticity. It should be organic. I can be maniacal about it. I can be constantly pounding it in the mind if it's organic because it's who I am. Exactly. Right? Not who I think you want me to be. Yeah. But who I am. Yeah. And who we are as an organization. Then it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. Um, it's hard if you are wired to do X, Y, and Z, but you work for an organization that values A, B, and C you're going to have a hard time being maniacally a b and c that's right because it's so against who you are that you're spot on
0: and i love i love the way you explain all of this i mean it it resonates deeply with me and it's true i mean but so what you just said there it it gets to the point or i think takeaways from from most of the listeners here What do we do when we find ourselves in that dysfunctional culture? I tell you, that is the number one question I get asked over the last seven years. It always comes down to that. Because we can talk about all these concepts and it's great and this and that. The reality is, we inherit, we go into organizations that we may not be a fit for, that may be dysfunctional, they may not, whatever. Right. And that's the reality. We inherit teams. You know, we don't get to show up and we get to pick our, you know, The reality is we've got A, B, C, D's players on our team. Culture may be dysfunctional. What do we do? You gave an example yourself where you were kind of, you valued X, Y, Z. The new culture was A, B, C. Mm -hmm. You were all of a sudden became a dunce in your words and you're banging your head against the wall. What am I doing? It wasn't a fit. Now, there are a couple options what you could have done. You could try to. You know, be aware that, hey, there's a culture mismatch and I try to be like that. Or you can try to leave, I mean,
1: what yeah. you chose to do. You know, so I think when you think about the folks that are listening here and because and, that's, that's the other – that's the thing that I get. Dan, this is great. Yes, culture is important. It, this, you're preaching to the choir. How do I do it? exactly? No one's telling us how. And that is the space that I'm trying to really spend more of my energy in. Yeah. Um, But so let's say that you are, and and let me answer it in this way. There are three key culture influencers in any organization. Okay. And I think it's important that you know where you are in that hierarchy of influencers. And that's how you answer the question. What do you do when you find yourself? Now it's, First thing that everyone has to understand and realize is that culture is co-created. It doesn't matter if you're the CEO or the housekeeper, if you're a pilot or you're a front desk ticket. It doesn't matter where you are in the organization. Culture is always co-created. But where we stand within the organization Determines the level of influence we have and the type of influence we have on the culture. So I've seen again in my study and in my life and in my experience, there's three types. There's three key culture influencers. The first is the culture creator. The culture creator belongs to the CEO, the founder, the owner, the executive C-suite team, the folks whose mission and job is to determine this is who we are. Yep. This is how we're going to behave and this is what we're going to look like and so the culture creator's job is to create that vision to identify our culture print right the purpose our principles our path, and to articulate it and then provide the resources that it can be developed and, and reproduced that's the culture creator Yep. the next is your culture keeper the culture keeper is any individual within an organization that has direct influence over frontline individuals within the organization. Okay. So that's your managers, your supervisors, your regional VPs, your general, you name it, right? Those people, your culture keepers are supposed to be conduits from the culture creator to the third influencer I call culture consumer. Okay. So the conduit's job is to be a clear path that says, this is who we want to be I'm the culture keeper. I need to make sure that that who and, and our personality and everything gets funneled down without me mucking it up mm-hmm. to the culture consumer. Because we've decided this is our culture because this is how we want customers out there to experience us because we believe this way will gener- be profitable, be successful. They also, as a culture keeper, your job from a conduit is also to be a f- smooth path from the f- consumer back to the creator. Yep. Here's what's working. Here's what's not. Here's where we have some gaps. Here's what our customers are telling us. My job is to be the conduit. I do not have the luxury of changing what the culture is supposed to be. But I am absolutely critical in bringing culture to life. Yep. I believe the culture keeper is the most important influence from the organization then finally you have your culture consumer this is your frontline employee and it's actually every employee because if you're working for a company regardless of what role level you're in you're choosing to consume that culture today right all right but for the purpose of this demo, this uh kind of dialogue in this picture because culture consumers are your frontline employees they're your end user customer They're the vendors that you work with that help you produce the services or products that you produce. And they're the communities that you serve. The culture consumer's experience with your culture ultimately determines the level of success for your organization. Right. Makes sense. Yep. So your question, what do I do if I find myself in this unhealthy, dysfunctional culture environment? Well, if you're a culture consumer – you probably are going to need to decide to choose to consume a different culture. Yeah. Now, before you make that decision, you really need to to look at it and go, well, is am I misaligned? Am I completely off base here? Or maybe I've just maybe maybe I'm behaving, I need to change my behaviors a little bit, or maybe I've got maybe there's a glitch somewhere, I've got a bad manager, maybe I get a different ma- something like that. But if you're not aligned to the culture and there's that dissonance, the only way you can fix it is you're gonna to have to leave because you can't change the organizational's culture. Right. And I,
0: I agree with you and I think before you leave is and that's where I think when you hear me talk about spreading the leadership response by everywhere, that mm-hmm. culture consumer, I agree, they have more influence than they initially think. And oh, they you're should right. leave, they should ask and and I love how you phrased it, well, Maybe I'm misaligned here. Am I doing something? Right. Maybe I just need to look at things a little different. Maybe I need to act. Maybe maybe I need to check myself, and then then the dissonance will stop. And maybe we'll get maybe we'll be in synchronicity at that point.
1: Because in that point, oftentimes people say, "Well, the culture here stinks." Right. Well, you're part of that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. So you need to evaluate. Art. When you look at you know our vision or our mission or our principles or whatever. Are you really – are you living by them? Are you them? living it, yeah. Are you modeling them? Yep. And that's
0: where the culture keepers – it is the hardest job. Oh, yeah. And that's where most of us sit. If you're listening to the show, probably most listeners, they're in that mid-range. They're, they're professionals. Mm-hmm. It is the hardest job because you have to – if you're not getting it from the culture creator, which mm-hmm. is a problem in a lot of organizations, mm-hmm. you have to have the courage and, and the wherewithal to ask for it. Right. And make sure you have it. That's like asking for the intent. Why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. Hey, Dan, go attack that hill. Great, Richard. I'll do it all day long. Why? You know, and so that's why the culture keeper so hard. And then you need to at the same time below, like we were just talking about, the consumer. Hey, we hired that guy. He was an A player. He's not. Why isn't he? Is he right? Right. Right. It's
1: just. Yeah. And so that's why I say the conduit for the keepers two way. Exactly. Right? So if you're seeing, um, like I had an example in one of my experiences um, where for two years, an exceptionally producing team, of which I was one of the managers and leaders for, exceptionally to the point at one point was the top performing team in the organization. Changes were made different authority and different positions of authority. And I, I don't use the word leadership in this case. Some people say, well, they had to change leadership. No, leadership is not a title. And it's, right. they changed position of authority and who was in it. There wasn't leadership in, in certain circumstances being demonstrated. But, um, but there was a change in authority. And then all of a sudden performance started to go back, right? And eventually it got back so far that the company was noticing and trying to go, what happened? Because – for the most part, everybody's still here that was an exceptional mm-hmm. performer, but now we're not. You know, as a, as a culture creator or even an upper-level keeper, if you see that, I'm going to tell you, you've had something happen at the keeper level where what was working and a team that was felt like they were singing from the right hymnal, swimming downstream, all that sort of stuff, something's happened and the, the culture has shifted and changed unless you've had some massive change in your product offering, your service offering and it's and you so the skill set that you had just isn't capable of doing that if if all things are equal but all of a sudden performance has declined you have a culture gap somewhere right it's likely in someone who's in a position of authority it's likely a keeper who's put a kind of a stopper or a block on what the creators are wanting to push down yep and they're kind of then Going their own path and going down their own way. Yeah,
0: so true. I mean, it highlights Maxwell talked, you know, it's kind of the same thing when Maxwell talks about the leadership lid, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If you have influence over a certain group of individuals, a department, or whatever, it's going to be capped based on the experience or the ability level of that leader or in, in this dialogue that exactly culture keeper right, right? exactly and right. if you had and you, you, I've seen that time and time again all things being equal what happened well I put this different leader in there that either one was a, a culture misalignment a communication gap a leadership gap whatever the case may be that lid was capped and we could have star performers all day long up from the consumer through the keeper level if someone's Above that has a, a a lid or or capped or whatever. Throw a number at it. Say we were all operating. We were all seven, eight, nines, and tens. This guy's a four. The best we're going to be is a
1: four. Probably going to be a two or a three. And and so on. Then on the culture side of it, if in this environment with this expectation and this culture, my potential is a ten. Yep. Then then something comes in that shifts that culture and the, the environment that I'm able to breathe in, right, and and live in, well, now my best is a seven
0: mm-hmm.
1: because that's all I got. Uh, right. And, and by the way, because now I'm breathing polluted air or I'm <laughs> drinking dirty water now because that's what culture is. It's the mm-hmm. air you breathe. It's the water we drink. It's just you don't see it necessarily. It's just there. Because I'm now kind of getting sick and poisoning myself, my best I can give you is a seven, but you're probably going to mostly get fives out of me. Exactly. Because I'm always fighting upstream. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard to quantify. And, and you know, it, it, this is a real issue today um, in, in the context of diversity and inclusion. I've I've lived it and I've seen organizations struggle with this. We chase what is an, a, an amazingly powerful thing. We chase diversity. And we need it as organizations. Diversity is, we've, we we, str- that was a, a, a weakness in, especially in American business mm-hmm. for a long time. But here's what we've got to be careful of <laughs> diversity of perspective is vital, but diversity of belief is fatal. Exactly. Okay. And I've witnessed and I've lived where, well, we need a diverse perspective in here to, you know, to take them to a new level. Yay. But does that diverse perspective, Have a unified belief in who we are and what makes us who we are. Right. If you have a unified belief and you bring in diverse perspective, holy smokes, watch out. Yep. But if you have a diverse belief that says, forget how you all did it and what you all think works and everything. This is what I think. Well, that way, let me tell you, that way may work great. But you're going to have to purge your organization with the people that like the other way. Because they aren't going to be able to do it there. So, it, it, so when you think about larger organizations or even medium-sized organizations, say, well, we want to bring somebody from outside the organization. Make sure they believe what you believe before you bring them in. Okay? Yep. Or maybe you're looking at acquiring an organization. Oh, acquisitions, this is a huge thing too. What's going to be the culture cost of your acquisition? And are you baking it into the cost of that acquisition? Yeah. Are you aligned cultures that you're going to be able to just kind of sweet, kind of adjust and and be, and there and it's a strong performing company you're buying, or maybe it's a poor performing company you're buying. Your cultures don't align, or what you need to look at the culture cost mm-hmm. um, because you're either going to have to rebuild a team that buys into the culture, or or heck, you know, you you're familiar with Bob Chapman and Barry Way Miller, yeah, for sure. right, mm-hmm. yeah. I- that's what Bob has done so well. Yeah, he he gets it. He you know. buys the depressed properties. With a culture that's aligned with what they believe. They inject their culture. They inject that leadership mindset, and they build the people up that are in that and say, listen, we can help you be better. Yep. And then they just inject their culture, and then – right? So anyway.
0: Bob Chapman, uh, he gets it on steroids. He was on – at the t- when he came on my show, at the time he he his episode was the most popular one. Oh, he's a fan, They're fantastic. And Barry Wehrmiller is
1: just a, a fantastic organization. You know? I love his book, and I love the way they do it. And mm-hmm. they believe talk about knowing your print. Yep, knowing your print, knowing, knowing what, what you your purpose and are and living everything that they do. Right, and they get it from a payoff perspective. Yeah, they don't. Their payoff is not equipment. No, right. Their payoff is the change that they the the peace of mind that they give the clients that they serve that the stuff they work that they buy from them works but it's it's this change in mindset for the people that they lead and serve that delivers exceptional results um you know it's powerful stuff yeah but yeah right. so anyway it, I
0: I could talk to you forever about this I'm looking at the clock we're almost forty minutes in holy smokes and okay. it goes by quick but yeah. uh, I mean we could talk forever about this obviously you're a culture junkie. Uh, you're a leadership junkie like me. That's why the show could go on for hours. But how can people get in touch with you? You know, what's next for you? What are you working on? How? Yeah. How? And why do you want people to connect with you?
1: Well, you know, Richard, for me, I am I'm really trying to, um, you know, as Maxwell kind of talks about, build an army of of evangelists who understand and believe in the power of culture, and intentional culture, and how it can transform results. For individuals as well as organizations, um, so I'm right now wanting to have more conversations. I'm speaking a lot about this. Um, I'm, you know, I have. A, there's a few folks that have reached out to me to say, "Hey, could you help us with this?" That's a space that I'm, I'm beginning to get more into. It's great to talk about the theory of this. Mm-hmm. How do you put it into practice? Um, and there are a lot of simple things that you can do to put it into practice. Um, so I would say, you know, hit me up. Uh, find me on LinkedIn. You, you know, you can find me there. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I love to get, in, get engaged in conversations. You'll see my hashtags of intentional intentional culture, employee experience, those sorts of things. But I'm on Twitter at at Dan Shirts or cultureprint at, at underscore cultureprint. Or just email me, Dan, at the at, uh, the at com. Um, I love having these conversations. And if, and if I would love to talk to more people that have found ways to leverage intentional culture, to drive exceptional results, because I want to be your storyteller uh, so that we can really hopefully transform the work experience uh, so that hopefully before long, we see a workforce in America that's more engaged than disengaged. And as you and I both know, we're, we're about the two-thirds disengaged in this country. That's right. And we need to fix that. Yeah, I agree. Um, so anyway, yeah, hit me up, Twitter, LinkedIn,
0: Well, consider, consider me a trusty lieutenant in your Army. You know, you know I always love, I love what you're doing. Um, it's the stuff that I believe in as well. Um, here to, to serve, serve and help in your cause whenever possible, and I appreciate you coming on the show.
1: Hey, thanks so much, Richard. Always Everybody can
0: check out the links on the post to, to connect with Dan. Uh, and, again, Dan, thanks so much. Hey, thanks for listening to this special entrepreneurial and leadership series, The Dose of Leadership, brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank. Make sure you, to subscribe to Dose of Leadership, where you can hear more great stories in this unique and special series. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take a listen to all of my Dose of Leadership podcasts, all of my episodes, and see why Fortune, Entrepreneur, and Eke Magazine all recommend this as a must-listen. Dose of Leadership features candid conversations with amazing guests, leading high-performing experts and organizations, large and small, all over the world. Find Dose of Leadership on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and go ahead and visit doseofleadership.com where you can find out more information about the show, myself, my speaking engagements, my keynotes, live seminars, and my mastermind events. Thanks for tuning in, and have a great day.